welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a born dreamer who started from being a flight attendant and worked her way up into now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and seasoned entrepreneur in multiple successful ventures. This podcast is for the awakened dreamer. Industry icons will share their humble beginnings up to the leaders they are today. Let's all learn and be inspired. Together, we can all prosper. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. It's the podcast for the dreamers and more importantly, the doers. I'm your host, Melody. Well, with us today, we're very excited because we believe that she has or they have an amazing story that is a clear testimony on how being resilient is really a necessary ingredient and it could make the difference between surviving in your venture or the death of your company. So without further ado, uh, we have someone that has been really instrumental in uh, turning a company, a company around that has been um, failing for years, you know, turning losses uh, year after year. And then uh, she came along and helped turned the company around. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Carissa Ortega. Hi, Carissa. Hi, I'm excited to be here. How are you? How's the baby? So congratulations on your new baby. Oh, thank you. He's doing well. Uh, motherhood is just going by so quickly. He's already four and a half months. He's going to be five months on the 20th. Wonderful. So if you could just uh, share with our viewers a sneak peek on who Carissa Ortega is and uh, some amazing facts about your company. Okay. So uh, my family owns Ninong's Cafe here in Northridge, California, and uh, I'm a very family-oriented person. Growing up, I was the only child. When we started Ninong's in 2008, that was was our focus. Our focus was around our family dynamic and being able to share the good times, the happy times, our food, and everything that encompasses Filipino hospitality into our restaurant. Aha. Uh-huh. So Ninong's, uh, just for, our, um, for the rest of our viewers, literally translates to godfather, right? It means godfather. Mm-hmm. Yes. How did that come about? Uh, Is it because he had the recipe or how is that? How did you just think of that name? Well, we were trying to think of a name that mainly was representative of us as a family, but also was easy for a non-Filipino person to pronounce. Uh And so when we were trying to think of those two aspects, there there were so many Uh, terms and phrases and words that we felt would represent us well, but would be very difficult for the average person to pronounce. And so when we were brainstorming, it was months and months of trying to think of a name. And then uh, we realized that my dad is everyone's Ninong. So what were the steps that you took to make the idea of having a family-owned bake shop into reality? Oh, it's a long story. So I'll try and compress it (laughs) as much as possible. But uh, my mom is the cook of the family. She's the one that loves to 
come up with exciting new dishes. She would cook dinner, breakfast, lunch, you know, for all of us. She loved to host parties and, you know, dance and be the life of the party type of thing. And my, my aunt, my Tita Abel was a baker. Uh, and in the Philippines, uh, she had a bake shop in her hometown. And so when she moved here uh, to, to the U.S., you know, she abandoned that idea because uh, you know, we're taught to just think that we have to find some stability. We have to find a job and then we have to, uh, you know, just maintain survival type of thing. And the best way that we thought growing up was to get a job, be employed by someone. And so while I was growing up, she would still continue to bake out of um, out of our home. And because of that, I was exposed to not only cooking, but baking as well from my mom and my aunt. So on, you know, Saturdays, uh, they would be cooking and baking for friends and family, aside from their regular jobs. So I was exposed to it at a young, you know, at a young age. And then when uh, the recession hit around 2007, uh, my aunt, my mom, and my dad all um, took a very big hit. Uh, my mom and my dad were both entrepreneurs. My mom was in the real estate business and, you know, real estate just took a plummet. And my aunt was also in the mortgage industry. And because of that, took uh, she lost her job. And uh, at that time, they were trying to look for work and obviously no one was hiring at the time. And so they said, we need to do something. We can't just sit here and wait. So let's think of something to, to do. Let's think of something to start. Hmm. And I gave them the crazy idea of opening up a bake shop because <laughs> I gave them the crazy idea. They actually wanted to open a franchise. They wanted to start a franchise. They wanted to start a Baskin Robbins and you know, they had inquired, they met with the consultant and, you know, uh, it was their, our first time encountering the idea of investing in a franchise. And I said, you know, for all that money, we, you guys have such great talent. You have, you know how to bake already. You know how to cook these amazing dishes. Why not just start your own thing? And they were crazy enough to listen to me. So <laughs> that's where it all started. Smart, actually. Uh, so from, from idea now, there's the reality of having your, your own shop. And for a lot of people, um, they always think that there's that, you know, the, the glamour of being a boss and all the good things that, you know, the media maybe play out, uh, you're, you being the boss and you being in control. But as we know, there is the other side of that. So maybe if you could share with us, you know, the struggles, the difficulties uh, that you guys have experienced, all the personal and financial sacrifices that you guys um did, especially on the initial start of, of the business, and how, how did you overcome all those? So we were thinking that, you know, um, the moment we open, people would just come, you know, that's just what you think when you're first starting a business. You're very hopeful, you're very excited, you're thinking that, oh, uh, I have a good product, so naturally people will come, but you forget about, you know, the first few months when you're trying to build your customer base, it takes time. It's not, you flip the sign open and then suddenly a flood of people are walking through the door. So, uh, 
we had a hard time at first trying to really figure out what we wanted to be known for. And I think that was just what started the struggle in the first place. We needed to be more specific. We needed to really think about what we wanted to be known for. We were thinking we had to Americanize ourselves and offer more, um, you know, quote unquote, American food, American offerings to, dr to try and drive people in that were not of our culture. So we were struggling kind of with identity and it's a very big reflection of my upbringing. No one knew what we were known for. No one, uh, no one knew what they were going to get when they walked through the door. So that was the catalyst of our struggle. But I think once we kind of found our stride, it, it made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. so, so going back to, to the struggles, right? And you said, you know, you were dipping your toes and um, not really having a clear uh, direction on what you really want to put out there, right? You just know that you have this culturally um, known pastries and what have you. And you know personally that, um, that everything tastes amazing. It took you four years and everyone dipping into their, to their um, 401k or mortgages and whatnot. So maybe you could share with us some of those hardships that you guys had to endure. So originally... Uh, we were in Granada Hills. That's where everyone knows our first location to be, north of Los Angeles. And uh, actually, prior to that, we had tried to open another spot in Northridge uh, that didn't work out. So when you know when the when my aunt and my mom and dad lost their jobs and their businesses, they had savings, right? Because that's what we're taught to do. We're taught to save and have, you know, um, some kind of nest egg just in case of an emergency, right? So they figured that what they would do is just, you know, invest a little bit of money, open up the bake shop and we should be good to go. But there were so many struggles uh, to even open in the first place because we had no idea what we were doing to even open a restaurant, period. You know, there's permits, there's, uh, there's inspections, there's equipment and all of these things that we did not think would, one, take that long. And the more time you waste, the more expensive it gets. And then two, you know, we were just kind of at that point throwing money because we were just saying, we need to open. Let's just, let's just open up. So the savings were depleted uh, because we were paying rent on a location that never even opened. Uh, we were trying to figure out how to get more funding. They would, you know, take out new credit cards. They would borrow against their homes. They would dip into their 401k. Um, everything that they had as far as nest egg was gone almost immediately within, you know, months. So how were you able to sustain uh, all those did you, you said four years, right? So how was that? How long did all those personal um, capital uh, help? Oh, I got to tell you, it's a miracle. 
<laughs> by the grace of God, you know, we had friends, uh, family that we were able to, you know, borrow money from that trusted us enough to say, I believe in you. I believe in your product. Uh, we had to take loan after loan. Um, and then we would find us, you know, we would find our stride in something and then we would have to think, well, what else we, can we do on top of this? And so, uh, this is, you know, and it's part of also just trying to be honest with um, our landlord and, and everyone else just kind of saying, we're trying, um, is there something that we can work out um, in good faith? Can I, you know, can I give you part of this and then give you the rest in another time? And it was really um, on our honor that Exactly. We would pay them back eventually, and it would all work out. From what I've heard and from what you've shared, uh, to really help turn uh, the company around. What would you attribute, um, if you could name maybe two or three things that you know concretely uh, you, you guys did, uh, to really turn the company around? From red to now being profitable and being known for, for what you do, the products that you have. Uh, I think one of, I'll, I'll go over the three main things, uh, but the first one I think that I have to just talk about is timing, because the timing of when we opened Ninong's, a lot of people would look at it as, are you crazy? Why are you starting a business in the middle of a recession? You know, they're thinking of it that way. And, you know, uh, when we were going into it, I had to have the faith that we were doing it in the right place at the right time. And we were right because what was happening at that time was the birth of social media. It was, you know, uh, Facebook was a thing. Yelp was starting to become a thing. Google Maps, I mean, even at the time, Yahoo Maps was what was kind of budding at the time. And so I went in and I put us on Google Maps. I put us on Yahoo Maps and people didn't know how to do that at the time. You know, Yelp was just starting to become a thing. And so part of it was being seen on the internet. It was a huge factor of why I think we were able to really survive because then I would put us on Google Maps and then suddenly a random person would walk in the door and Tita would be like, how did you find us? Just curious. And they said, oh, I found you on Google. And she was like, what's Google? You know, like it was completely foreign. And cause I didn't, you know, I was trying so hard to think of all these things that I can do to help them because at this time I wasn't working at Ninong's full time. It was still my mom, dad, aunt, and uncle. And so I was just trying to help them as much as I could. And here I am on the computer trying to just throw the name out there, create a website for them and do all of the, you know, digital things, all the marketing, because that's my background. So that brings me to number two is, um, online marketing because the timing was just right. Our online marketing really put us aside because prior to that, you know, my, my mom was trying to advertise in print, you know, she would do, uh, the, the bulletins at church. She would try and do the coupons in the mail, that type of thing, which worked because there were a few people that would come, but the digital marketing and digital media did it in a day and it costed 
nothing at the time. It cost zero money. It just cost, it was just effort and, and time. That's all it was. So uh, that's number two, definitely. And then number three, I think, is uh, being willing to pivot when something doesn't work. You know, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> you to spot what's working and immediately being able to react. Definitely. Yes. Um, I think a lot of uh, a lot of new entrepreneurs just kind of think, um, I want to offer, uh, you know, twenty different things because I have so many great ideas. Which you do. I know. I know that there's so much creativity that that comes out of us. But uh, when you're trying to start, you always want to just put a hundred percent into one thing first. And that's always a piece of advice that I give to people. We weren't dialed in enough. And so I think the turnaround for us was when we kept pivoting until we found the, the one thing that our customers were really drawn to. And we we were able to observe instead of, you know, creating this barrier between us as the business owners and um, the customers, we were open to that feedback and we were very observant and receptive to what they were very attracted to. Mm -hmm. And when we saw that, we said, oh, people are really into this. Let's do it more. Let's figure out a way to now have this one product, be known for it, and then now we can make those branches. And that's where uh, we really started to see that more expansive success. I think uh, just like with any um, business, being customer centric is, uh, is crucial. So in, at this point, uh, you, as you said, you dialed in to, to what, is, um, what your customers were, were drawn to. So, so that's amazing. Uh, and also branding. I think uh, you guys have done an amazing job uh, with the branding of the store, with the logo. It's very identifiable, you know, immediately when you see it. So, so good job. Good job on that. And as they say with branding, it's creating a memorable impression and, and it sets you apart from your competition because there's going to be a lot of those others that would um, have maybe the same type of product, but what sets you apart? And I think you were able to differentiate uh, your your brand, your your company uh, that way. In terms of maybe um, maybe building um, uh, a community of loyal uh, customers, have you done anything uh, a strategy that you feel has been effective uh, for you guys? Uh, when we first started, my mom did this really great thing. Uh, she started a newsletter and she had no idea, you know, an email newsletter. She had no idea that she was doing digital marketing. She was just doing it, you know? And so what she came up with was she came up with this idea of if you sign up for our online newsletter every week, we'll have a different special during the weekend. And the only way you'll know what it is, is if you sign up for the newsletter. So uh, she would get people to sign up and then she would have me input it into our email system. And then she would think of something to create every single week that was different. And so uh, I think that was, sorry, I lost the, she wasn't, the she wasn't really going uh, 
via a textbook playbook of how it is now. Because now, you know, people would do the newsletter, they would have like um, all these landing pages to catch emails, so on and so forth. So your mom actually was more like a natural uh, ability to recognize, hey, I do this newsletter, I get your email, you get something uh, by giving your email. So that's, uh, that's yes. genius, that's amazing. Very much uh, ahead of her. Of her. Yeah. And she had no idea that she was even doing it um, because at this time, you know, email newsletters were just that. It was to sell something or send maybe a coupon or something like that. It was never really to, um, it, there was no strategy to it really. They were just trying to take what was already existing with print and then put it online, right? It was very just like duplicate. But like you said, now there's all these like conversion tactics and landing pages and all these things. And she was so, uh, she was just such a natural and just kind of said, well, I love to cook. This gives me an opportunity to be creative and think of something different every week. And then people won't get bored. You know, every week we'll have something different. So our regulars aren't ordering the same thing over and over and over again. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so, so the the newsletter helped with um, creating that community. Anything else in terms of making sure that they keep coming back? Uh, I think one thing that we did well also was every time we had an anniversary or Mother's Day or Valentine's Day or something like that, we would do a special gift. So especially on our anniversary, because we were so grateful to make it for one more year that we just said, we need to give our customers a gift because we made it by another year. And so we would do a free cupcake with appreciation. So you're yes, just, just to show our gratitude. And it really, uh, not only did it touch the customers that we thought of them to give them something, but it also touched us we would see them come in and just kind of say, congratulations, you know, and they didn't expect anything in return, but that, that exchange was very, very special. Mm -hmm. uh, so for those that, um, that are going through struggles, especially now, you know, with, with the pandemic, um, what would be your, your tips, your advice um, for those that just want to surrender and just say, you know what, you know, I'm done with this. Bye. <laughs> uh, what is something that you could give to our viewers that are um, really contemplating on giving up and just, uh, you know, giving up on their dreams? Well, for one thing, um, you're not alone. So never think that you're a failure because you're, you're ready to throw in the towel. Entrepreneurship is such an up and down roller coaster. There are days where I feel completely defeated, and then there are other days where I feel like I'm doing a great job. It's just the life of an entrepreneur. Oh, don't the roller coaster. I yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't feel like you're a failure. First of all, you know because don't beat yourself up. There's hard yeah. There's hard times always, um, and then but there's remember and think back on why you're doing this in the first place. There has to be a reason. Is, is it your love for cooking? Is it, you know, are you sharing a talent? Um, are you able to express yourself creatively? What's the reason you're really doing it? And remind yourself of that. If, you know, because every time I'm ready to give up, 
that's what I do. I, I go back and say, well, I'm doing this for my family. You know, my family is the most important thing to me. And uh, we need this because not only is it our livelihood, but it can be a legacy business. You know, this is something I can pass down to my son or um, on top of that, I, because of this business, I'm able to see my family more often than before we started the business and we're closer than ever, you know? So those reasons um, is a big motivator for me. And then I, I would say another thing is, you know, um, create a community around you that will encourage you because, you know, that saying of you're, you're the culmination of the five people you surround yourself with. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you're around negativity, that's what you're going to feel. And you're going to feel like giving up. And those people will probably tell you to give up. But if you surround yourself with encouraging people, and that is what you surround, you know, that's what you take in. That's what you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with people that pray for you, that encourage you, that see the potential in you, your attitude will change. And a lot of it is mindset when it comes to owning a business. If you don't, you know, if you don't take your, yourself seriously, no one else will. If you're not positive, then you're not, you're going to be negative, you know? So it's all about your set and how you look at your business. And for me, a big shift was that because I was, you know, it's easy to look at your business and when you're not making money to say, oh, you know, it's just this little hobby that I'm doing it. We kind of downplay that we're entrepreneurs or we downplay that we're doing something very exciting, but we are, we're creating something very special and you have to look at it that way and you have to be confident. So if you can't do that right now because it's hard, find people that will encourage you, you know, and put you in that positive space because it, it's so easy to fall into, fall into that. And then that's when I see most people give up, you know, but reach out. Don't be afraid to just say, I'm struggling right now. I need encouragement or I need help. Because more than not, you'll find someone that can help you with your situation, but you just have to reach out to people. Was there ever a, a time, and, and really quickly, because I know we have to, to wrap it up uh, for you for your next meeting, uh, but uh, in terms of when you mentioned the struggles and whatnot, was there ever a point where you thought, oh my God, uh, you know, let's just, let's just give up? This is the time. This are the signposts that basically screams out loud. It's written all over the wall that, um, that it's time to give up. Was there ever a time that um, you kind of saw that? And oh, yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when, when, it gets, when it gets really hard, as I see myself as an optimistic person. Um, I'm naturally, I naturally try to see the potential in something and I get very excited. But of course, you know, whenever a challenge is brought to the table, I get very defeated because of, you know, um, just not knowing what to do. And when you're an entrepreneur, yeah, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be everything, right? If you don't know how to do accounting, if you don't know how to do marketing, if you don't know how to do something, you just automatically think, I can't, I can't do that. I got to throw in the towel. But, you know, um, I, re I remember this one time, it was when I first started at Ninong's full time, and I was putting in a lot of hours. 
And, you know, prior to this, basically everyone that worked there would come in together at the same time and we would all leave at the same time. So no one would leave until everyone was ready to go home because we were all family, right? There was no employees really. And um, when I came, I would tell them, you know, I still have work to do, so I'm going to stay, but you guys go home. So I would tell my aunts and my mom, go home, go rest, because you're going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to stay and I'm going to do a little bit of work and then I'm going to go home. And they were very, you know, hesitant about that because they wanted to, you know, stay and be involved. You're kind of putting more. Uh Yes. And I said, no, I it's, there's no, you can't help me. It's, it's individual work. So don't worry about it. And I remember multiple nights sitting there, um, till maybe 10 o'clock at night. And we would get to Ninong's at six o'clock in the morning. And I would try and figure out, I would try and put every, all of our bills and everything on the table. And I would just look at it and I would cry because I really did not know how I was going to pay any of this stuff. You know, it, it was just so overwhelming and so scary. And I would call, you know, Charlie, my husband, or I would call um, my, my friends and I would go, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. I, why did I quit my job? There, I, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. You know, I, I think the better thing to do is close down because we're just, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to pay bills. And one of my friends and this goes with community. One of my friends said, I know it's really overwhelming. And she said, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I'm here to tell you if you're late on a payment, you're late on a payment. It is what it is. Maybe next time you'll be able to make it up. Just do what you can and take it little step by little step and see what happens. You know, don't look at everything as all the bills on the table every time just kind of take each step and day as it goes one at a time one step at a time and yeah you're gonna be late and there might be a late fee or a consequence to that but there's another chance it's not the end all be all so just do what you can and I really took that to heart and I said I took a deep breath and I said okay I'm going to try and prioritize this. I'm going to do what I can. And she's right. If I can't pay it right now, I can't pay it right now. And we'll just, we'll just figure it out as we go. And slowly we were able to pay this one away. And then that money that we were, you know, paying toward that, we were able to put towards something else. And then another one got put away and then another one got put away. And the more that I just focused instead of trying to see the big picture 24 seven, the weight started being lifted off of my shoulders, but it took a friend to look from the outside in to help me see that. Any, um, actually those are very good, um, words for, for those that get really overwhelmed you know, and uh, some, you know, as they say, analysis paralysis. So if, if you have all that, you're, you're just paralyzed and you can't move. So, so you're right. You know, it's just 
you know, step by step, small steps, small bites, and how to eat an elephant type of thing. Now, in terms of promotion, how can our audience, our, our supporters can support you? Any uh, promotions, any causes, any, any projects, anything that you guys, uh, any up and coming uh, things uh, with, with your company? Yeah, so a couple things in regards to Ninong's, um, because of this pandemic, we have really tried to up our online store because um, I like to pride ourselves in trying to be a, very observant. And we knew that with this pandemic, we had to pivot. And so we really put our focus into our online store. And right now, because of what's going on, we're doing a 20% off um, your entire order. If you use the promo code flatten the curve, all one word, um, you can get 20% off anything that's in our uh, store. And we ship nationwide, all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii. Um, no international shipping at this time, but at least all the 50 states. So if you're on the East Coast, you could still get all the Ube goodies. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I recently started a consulting and coaching business for people that want to start their own food or product based business. So I take on a few coaching clients and help them through this process, especially during this time when, you know, people are still very passionate about uh, their entrepreneurial ideas, but they just don't know how to get started and they want to make sure that they do it as quickly and as concise as possible to save their time and money. So Wonderful. That is truly exciting, Carissa. Uh, so I want to thank you uh, for your time again and uh, wishing you continued success. And for all the dreamers out there, keep believing and you got this. Till next time.